Welcome to Second Impressions, the Pride and Prejudice podcast. My name is Tom. And I'm Grace. And we're going through Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice chapter by chapter. And today we are doing Volume 3, Chapter 13. For Grace, will you give us a brief recap of what happened in the last chapter first? Sure. So in Chapter 12, uh, Bingley and Darcy come to dine at Longbourn. Um, Bingley, you know, sits next to Jane, as everyone wanted him to do. Elizabeth um, observes Bingley and Jane talking, you know, having a good time. And she also sees Darcy observing the two of them. Um, But one thing Darcy is not observing is Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is upset. And then she is upset at herself for being upset by it when the main focus of the dinner should be Jane and Bingley. But she can't help but feel unhappy or confused as to why Darcy is suddenly giving her the cold shoulder that night. But um, the dinner is over, the two men um, of interest leave, and um, Jane continues to tell Elizabeth that it's just, she's over, Bingley, you know, they can just, they can just be friends now, and Elizabeth teases her and tells her to, um, basically stop pretending that she doesn't love Bingley. Like, just drop the charade already. Um, And that's kind of just how chapter 12 ends. Short and sweet. So why don't you, Tom, tell us what happens in chapter 13? Okay, chapter 13. Bingley comes back to Longbourn alone this time. uh, And Mrs. Bennet invites him to dinner that night, but he has an engagement. So he agrees to come to dinner the next night, which he promptly does. Uh, Mrs. Bingley, I mean, Mrs. Bennet, rather, sorry. (laughs) We'll get to Mrs. Bingley shortly. Uh, Mrs. Bennet, uh, uses every contrivance in her power to get Bingley and Jane alone. Mm. Uh, which Elizabeth foils for the first time because she can see Jane's a little uncomfortable by all all these machinations. Yeah. Um, but no worries. Bingley agrees to come again very shortly after, and he goes hunting with Mr. Bennet, who is surprisingly pleasant around him (laughs) he comes back to Longbourn Jane and Bingley finally are alone thanks to Mrs. Bennet and that's when Bingley proposes marriage to Jane which of course she accepts and this makes everyone in the family happy and Jane wishes that only like the only thing wanting for Jane is if Elizabeth could be as happy as she is Mm. so that's chapter 13 just endlessly selfless on Jane's part Always thinking about the happiness uh, yeah. of others. We will hear Jane's most uh, acrimonious speech <laughs> of all time in this chapter. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> so acrimonious. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, but we're uh, we are in the the true home stretch now. We yes. have we have one match established. Well, we've already had Lick, Wickham and Lydia, but that's almost like a perversion of a match. <laughs> we have a good match established here. Yay. Something we've been waiting for. Yes. So let's get into it. All right. Since chapter one, we've been waiting for this. Uh-huh. A few days after this visit, the visit described in chapter 12, Mr. Bingley called again and alone. And alone. Very important. His friend, Darcy, mm-hmm. had left him that morning for London but was to return home in 10 days' time. Meaning we think Netherfield, not Pemberley. Right. So Darcy left for London, and he's going to come back to Netherfield in 10 days. Uh, Bingley sat with them above an hour and was in remarkably good spirits. Mm, I wonder why. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Bennet invited him to dine with them, but with many expressions of concern, he confessed himself engaged elsewhere. I think expressions of concern are like, 
polite apologies, kind of mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I hope, you know, you didn't like already make another plate for me or something, right? <laughs> I hope you didn't kill two more birds for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so he comes, he visits Mrs. Bennett's like, hey, stay for dinner. Mm. And Bingley's like, can't stay tonight. Sorry. Yeah. Next time you call, said Mrs. Bennett, I hope we shall be more lucky. <laughs> already just assuming there's a next time. Uh-huh. He should be particularly happy at any time, etc., etc. That's literally what it says in the book. Mm -hmm. And if she would give him leave, would take an opportunity of waiting on them. Yes. Meaning what? Meaning, yes, I'd be happy to come, etc., etc., as in just, like, doing the, paying the usual respects and, like, the usual, like, customs of, like, saying, yes, like, I would be happy to, mm -hmm. or, like... He's expressing, like, expressing, like, gratitude. Yeah, and he's like, if I have your permission, Mrs. Bennett, I'll come very short, very soon. Yes. I'll come again very soon if I have your permission, which, of course, is crazy. Hilarious. Yeah, you don't... Uh, permission has been given already. Yeah. yeah. No, Mrs. Bennett might as well just give him a key to Longbourn. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, well, if you allow it, I'd like to come again very mm. soon. And Mrs. Bennett's like... Can you come tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, well, also, he also, um, in addition to saying, oh, I'd be happy to come, also she asks her if she would be so kind as to let him wait on the Bennets, as in, like, you should also come to Netherfield, uh -huh, which I'm okay. sure just set Mrs. Bennet all aflutter. But then, yeah, Mrs. Bennet goes, can you come tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he had no engagement at all for tomorrow. And her invitation was accepted with alacrity. Mm, quickly. Mm. Okay. He came. So, next day. <laughs> uh, Mr. Uh, Bingley came. And in such very good time that the ladies were none of them dressed. So, quite early. Uh -huh, definitely. Early in the day, they have not put on their, their clothes for the day yet. And of mm. course, not, not suggestive at all that he shows up when none of them are dressed, right? <laughs> uh, in ran Mrs. Bennett to her daughter's room in her dressing gown, and with her hair half-finished, crying out, My dear Jane, make haste and hurry down. He has come. Mr. Bingley has come. He is indeed. Make haste, make haste. Here, Sarah, come to Miss Bennet this moment, and help her on with her gown. Never mind Miss Lizzie's hair. <laughs> so I love this scene. Uh, Sarah must be a servant of theirs. Yeah, like yeah. The, pers the person who, the probably like the maid who helps dress um, the two eldest daughters. So Bingley is so eager to come back to Longbourn that he's there before anyone's dressed. I know, uh -huh. that is quite, I mean, you know, it's like, it's like, this 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 engagement is not just wanted on Mrs. Bennet's side. Mr. Bingley clearly also wants this to happen very soon. Mm -hmm. If he's coming like at the crack, I'm, I'm guessing like, before they even dress, that means, like, before, like, even breakfast, right? It must be morning time, I yeah. assume. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And so Mrs. Bennett, she she must have perceived him from her, her dressing room window. Again. <laughs> yeah, and I love this image. She runs into her daughter room, her daughter's room, in a dressing gown with her hair half finished, like, crying out hysterically, he's here, he's come! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, these are pr her priorities. She's not even going to get ready herself. She is going to, her hair half finished, run to Jane's and Elizabeth's room and tell them that Bingley is here. Uh -huh. And I, to tell Sarah to, like, stop working on Elizabeth and work on Jane. Yeah, Jane is the one we want to send down. <laughs> um, We will be down as soon as we can, said Jane. But I dare say Kitty is forwarder than either of us, for she went upstairs half an hour ago. What does this mean? Um, Jane's like, we'll be ready <laughs> as soon as we can. Mm -hmm. But Kitty is like more well, more 
more dressed than we are. She's almost dressed. She went upstairs to get dressed half an hour ago. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, we haven't, we've only been getting dressed for like the last 10 minutes, something like that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So Kitty's probably going to be ready to go down before any of us. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Bennett says, oh, hang Kitty. What has she to do with it? <laughs> Come be quick, be quick. Where is your sash, my dear? I love that. That's basically like saying, fuck kitty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck my child. She doesn't have anything to do with this. Oh, fuck kitty. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. What have you been talking about kitty now? <laughs> what does she have anything to do with yeah. this? <laughs> that is, I mean, if ever a sentence best summed up a character, I think, oh, hang kitty. What has she got to do with it? Has just encompasses kitty's entire character. <laughs> uh, it's also like Mrs. Bennett just like cuts through all like the decorum of <laughs> like what this of society basically. Yeah. Like even though, okay. Obviously, Bingley's here to see Jane. You're still supposed to go through the whole show of, like, oh, he's here for the family, you know? Yeah. Like, the, he's visiting on the Bennets. Right. It would be highly indecorous, indecorous for Jane to just go see Bingley by herself. Like, that is not okay. Or for Bingley to come and be like, hey, I just want to see Jane. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, he's here to see the whole family. Yeah. And so the whole family should be down there. And really, the last person who should be seen alone with Mr. Bingley is Jane. So it's just like, Mrs. Bennett is just not following the rules of convention here. She, her hair is a mess. Uh, she's running into their room. She's yelling at the maid. She's go saying, go fuck, fuck, fuck kitty. Yeah, fuck this, <laughs> fuck this child. <laughs> she's not the one I care about now. Yeah, uh -huh. so it, yeah. it's... Well, she just like, you know, she has no time for the decorum. It's mm -hmm. like, we got to get this maid. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> sooner, sooner better than later. <laughs> Uh, okay, so yeah, she's like, where's, <laughs> be quicker, <laughs> where's your sash? <laughs> but when her mother was gone, Jane would not be prevailed on to go down without one of her sisters. As she sh shouldn't. Uh -huh. She should go down with her sisters. It wouldn't be, um, it wouldn't be in polite society to go down by herself. Okay, now here's, the time is moving very quick here, so now we're going to speed ahead to the evening time. Mm. It says, the same anxiety to get them by themselves was visible again in the evening. Mrs. Bennett, the same anxiety for Mrs. Bennett to get Jane and Bingley by themselves yeah. is visible again in the evening. It doesn't say Mrs. Bennett, but we all understand who is feeling this anxiety uh -huh. and on on whom was it visible again. It's not Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Jane does want to talk to Bingley and see him, but she, be you know, she believes in the decorum way yeah. more than her mother does. Absolutely. Okay. After tea, Mr. Bennett retired to the library, as was his custom. <laughs> And Mary went upstairs to her instrument. Two obstacles of the five being thus removed, <laughs> Mrs. Bennet sat looking and winking at Elizabeth and Catherine for a considerable time without making any impression on them. I like that she's just, like, counting the members of her family as obstacles. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, two down. <laughs> two more to go. <laughs> yeah, that's what they become to her in this moment. It's like, these are just obstacles. <laughs> There's no longer, like, my beloved family. <laughs> there are people standing in the way of this match that I've been working so hard to make. Okay, yeah, so two obstacles out of the five removed. Mrs. Bennett focuses her energy on Elizabeth and Catherine and Kitty, who are the only two left other than Bingley and Jane. Mm -hmm. And she's going to get them out of the room by looking and winking at both of them for a considerable time, even though this doesn't make any impression. <laughs> Elizabeth would not observe her, and when at last Kitty did, she very innocently said, What is the matter, Mama? What do you, wh what do you keep winking at me for? What am I to do? <laughs> nothing, child, nothing. I did not wink at you. <laughs> That's Mrs. Bennet. Then she sat still five minutes longer, but unable to waste such a precious occasion, she suddenly got up and saying to Kitty, Come here, my love. 
I want to speak to you. And took her out of the room. <laughs> well, I like this. So her first method of getting them out of the room is just to like sit there winking at them. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth, and yeah. Elizabeth is is refusing. Purposely ignoring yeah. this. Yeah. And Kitty, of course, dumb as a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't know what the implication is. It's like, what? why are you winking at uh, me? What am yeah, I supposed to do? Is there something do? wrong with your eye? <laughs> and then I like this like... Now, well, since the winking doesn't work, she's just like, oh, I got to talk to you about something. Yeah, <laughs> this is such hey. a flimsy excuse. Hey, uh, come with me to this other room. I have to tell you something. Something, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like such a teenager move to be like, uh, will you come with me over here? I need to tell you something. And then, uh, I, like, yeah. It, yeah. I like, need to tell you something over here <laughs> in such, the other room. So, like, high school. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and took her out of the room. Jane instantly gave a look at Elizabeth which spoke her distress at such premeditation and her entreaty that she would not give into it, that Elizabeth would not give into it. Yeah, so Jane looks at Elizabeth after <laughs> Mrs. Bennett yanks her out of the room <laughs> and she expresses, like, she gives her, like, a distressing look. It's like, I don't like all these, like, everything that Mrs. Bennett's doing. She's being super obvious yeah. here, right? Uh, and she's, like, through this look, she's entreating Elizabeth, please don't go also. Mm. Like, this is awkward to have, like, all my family members not so subtly whipped away, right? <laughs> In a few minutes, Mrs. Bennet half opened the door and called out, Lizzie, my dear, I want to speak with you. So she, this, uh, she thinks this method is great now. She's like, <laughs> oh, why didn't I think of this earlier? <laughs> She's gonna try the same thing on Elizabeth, too. Yeah, it's like, oh, Kitty, I'd like to speak to you. Two minutes later, oh, Elizabeth. I'd like to speak to you, too. <laughs> yeah, doesn't even come in the room. Doesn't even open the door all no. the way. She just opens it halfway. It's like, Elizabeth, I want to say something to you, too. <laughs> Out here. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth was forced to go. Mm -hmm. um, okay. We may as well leave them by themselves, you know, said her mother as soon as she was in the hall. Kitty and I are going upstairs to sit in my dressing room. I mean, this is also, like, obviously we know what she's doing, but it's also not good hosting to, like, get, like, oh, I'm just gonna go hang up in my, hang out in my room now while yeah. we have a visitor here, right? Right. Elizabeth made no attempt to reason with her mother, but remained quietly in the hall till she and Kitty were out of sight, then returned into the drawing room. Okay, so she's sort of hanging out outside the drawing room. Um, sees her mother and Kitty go upstairs, and so when the coast is clear, she goes back inside the drawing room to save Jane mm -hmm. from being alone with Bingley. Yeah. And you might be thinking, like, oh, wouldn't it be a good thing for, like, Jane to be alone with Bingley in this moment? But it's just, like, it's just, to reiterate, like, it would just be really inappropriate. And Mrs. Bennet does not care, but Jane obviously cares for decorum and things like that. So it's not like Elizabeth is doing this to prevent jane from like getting proposed to she's doing it because it's distressful it's distressing to jane to be alone with bingley yeah it's it just doesn't look good you know he's there for a family party and yeah and it is like yanking people out of the room and telling <laughs> them not to come back uh also it's like it seems like it's a little like it could be perceived as strong-arming bingley kind of it's like here you are alone why haven't you done it yet yeah you know? yeah and jane doesn't want bing you know jane doesn't want bingley to think that she has any part to do anything to do with this right like it would be distressing to jane to think to think that bingley thought that jane was in on this plan to get rid of everyone right 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 so better to have as many people in the room as possible mm-hmm uh, yes, and that's how Elizabeth gets around Mrs. Bennet. She just waits for them to leave. <laughs> Mrs. Bennet's scheme for this day 
were ineffectual. Ah, can't her, all. her schemes for what? What what's the ultimate scheme she's trying to affect? For Bingley to propose. Yes. <laughs> Bingley was everything that was charming except the professed lover of her daughter. <laughs> he was great in every aspect except that he is not my my daughter's uh, fiance. In every single way, Bingley is the picture of charmingness except that he hasn't proposed to my daughter yet. <laughs> that's the one thing that's missing. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. Mrs. Bennett is the ultimate charm is becoming engaged to one of his daughter one of her daughters uh -huh. his ease and cheerfulness rendered him a most agreeable addition to their evening party and he bore with the ill-judged officiousness of the mother and heard all her silly remarks with the forbearance and command of countenance particularly grateful to the daughter mm -hmm. this is a big i feel like that's a big test of bingley and he passes with front flying colors yeah is, how are you going to react to like mrs bennett's absurdity right right like yeah how are you gonna how are you gonna not just react but are you gonna be able to with like <laughs> are you strong enough to withstand it right <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> to forbear to it <laughs> all her silly remarks i mean that's also that's why Darcy uh, was a weaker man earlier in this ah, book because yes. he couldn't he couldn't forbear it. <laughs> you know he wasn't strong enough for Mrs. Bennet. No, but in the earlier dinner we saw that he was strong enough to forbear at least a dinner sitting uh, next to her. Okay, uh, Bingley scarcely needed invitation to stay supper, to stay for supper, mm -hmm. and before he went away, an engagement was formed chiefly through his own and Mrs. Bennet's means for his coming next morning to shoot with her husband. Okay, let's so, just go through the timeline yeah. of this a little bit. Okay. So this night, Bingley arrives. Mm -hmm. They have dinner, mm -hmm. right? Or they have dinner, whatever. I guess it's probably safe to say, like, sometime in the afternoon, I guess. like Yeah, like, who, I don't know, let's say six or seven. Okay, whatever. Maybe even earlier than that, like four or five. Maybe, yeah. All right. Anyway, they have dinner. They hang out. And Mrs. Bennett then... Invites him to stay for supper, which mm. is a later meal that people had. Yeah, and it's Grace, a later, did, lighter meal. Yeah, did you have a note about this? Yeah, so in my book, there's this long note about supper. And basically, if you're like in a, if you're a sort of a, a higher, uh, what's the word, like a higher social status family, like the Bennets are, um, you don't typically eat supper. Because supper, supper is the meal after dinner. And so... It, it was like in this time period the later you ate dinner the more like it's a status it's symbol. a status symbol to eat late uh. to eat dinner late because um you could afford to like light all of the candles in the room to eat dinner by but like if you were poorer then you didn't you would, weren't wouldn't be able to afford candles so you had to eat dinner later in the day when there was still light out so and and that and so if you were poor, you ate dinner earlier. That means that you would then have to eat dinner, be, or sorry, supper, supper, yeah, because you would get hungry again. Like a light snack yeah. at the end of the night. Yeah. In the unfinished book Sanditon, uh, there's a lot of talk about the status symbol that is eating late. <laughs> okay, but so so it, yes. it so the one the one criticism of Jane Austen of Pride and Prejudice especially is that. It would be unusual for the Bennets to to hold a supper because they would they would theoretically hold a dinner later in the evening and therefore there wouldn't be need for a supper. There would just be tea and coffee afterwards and then 
that was sort of and then they would go into the drawing room and play cards or whatever there wouldn't really be a supper there's no more most for most like gentry family there's no more meal after dinner right <laughs> yeah that's the sad like yeah that's a status symbol that you can afford to burn candles you have a late dinner right but so the Bennets don't do that yeah that's like the one thing the one thing that people could nitpick about Jane Austen's writing here is that like oh it wouldn't make sense for the Bennets to have supper but <laughs> I also have here a apparently in a letter that Jane Austen wrote, she uh, she said, there might as well have been no suppers at Longbourn, but I suppose it was the remains of Mrs. Bennet's old Meryton habits, <laughs> which means that we all know that Mrs. Bennet um, uh, married up. So maybe right. the, the, the habit, the custom of serving supper was just deeply ingrained into her trashy backs her trashy upbringing mrs bennett i believe her father's a lawyer yeah so she's that's not as uh i mean that is it's still a good profession at the time it doesn't have the same like status symbol that it has now she would have been thoroughly like middle class probably right Uh, it would have been so like her serving supper to sort of um account for it this sort of um inconsistency would just be like oh well it was just a remnant of how she was brought up Right. I also like to believe it's just another, like, tool in uh, Mrs. Bennett's arsenal. Like, oh, we want this man to stay a little longer. We're having supper today. <laughs> you know, and you're staying. Yeah. Dinner and tea and supper. Uh, yeah. There's just more, there's more reasons for you to never leave. <laughs> okay. All right. And so, okay. Yeah. So, um, Mr. Bingley, he didn't even, he barely needed an invitation to stay for supper. Of course he was going to stay for supper, yeah. right? And even more, and even more, after they, he and Mrs. Bennett... Um, agree that he'll come the next morning to shoot with <laughs> with Mr. Bennett. And this is also great. Mr. Bennett did not proffer that invitation. <laughs> Mrs. Bennett's like, oh, Bingley, come back tomorrow morning and you'll shoot with yeah. my husband. Shoot you, as many birds as you like. You go a-hunting. I also like that image of, you know, just like the, the father and the potential son-in-law out with the guns, like, hunting <laughs> animals. It's kind of a funny image. After this day... Jane said no more of her indifference. Mm, so, toward no, Bingley. Yeah, no yeah. longer is Jane proclaiming that she is completely over Bingley. Well, I think she senses, like, hey, you know, this isn't, it's not a coincidence that he's coming over all the time. Yeah, right? and then he's going to go shoot with her dad. Uh-huh. Like, not a word passed between the sisters concerning Bingley. But Elizabeth went to bed in the happy belief that all must speedily be concluded Unless Mr. Darcy would return within the state of time. Mm. <laughs> the state of time being the 10 days that he said he'd go to London for. Yeah. So she's worried that, oh, if Darcy comes back before Bingley pops the question, then Bingley will not pop the question. That's like the one obstacle Elizabeth can see that potentially in their way. Yeah. Like everything is smooth sailing unless Darcy comes back early and like decides to sink <laughs> this whole ship again. Right. Seriously, however... She felt tolerably persuaded that all this must have taken place with that gentleman's concurrence. Mm. So she's like, well, on second thought, all of this is probably happening with Darcy's blessing. Right. So I'm sure everything will just move forward, whether or not Darcy comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So Bingley was punctual to his appointment. <laughs> and he and Mr. Bennett spent the morning together as had been agreed on. Agreed on. I also think this is kind of just a moment. It's a little bit part of... <laughs> here's mrs bennett acting a little decorous mm. the like you uh, a father should have a chance to suss out his potential son-in-law a yeah. little bit right they should talk a little i guess mm-hmm. well he certainly didn't do that with wickham <laughs> no that's true so maybe this is also his his trying to be better his trying like all right i'll make an effort to at least talk to the future son-in-law uh-huh yeah and that's a great point actually it just shows you like <laughs> 
They Wickham and Lydia is an example of a terrible marriage. In, in down to the like creation of it, like it happened in like the totally wrong way. Yeah, yeah. So Mr. Bennett is like it's like the bar is on the floor now. So Mr. Bennett can only go up from here. So like the very least he can do is spend a day with with uh Bingley. A few hours. A few hours yeah. to do a thing that he was gonna do anyway, right. which is to hunt. Uh, the. I'm I'm basing this purely on novels that I've read, but the the landed British class are just crazy about hunting at this time. I guess I think that's yeah true. Uh-huh. It still is. I think I think it's a big. I, I don't know. I'm gonna say it's. I think it's still a big thing there. A big hunting culture across the pond. <laughs> Tell me. Let me know if I'm wrong. Maybe. Uh. Well, there's actually a, there's a funny line in Portrait of a Lady where someone an American character is like the. I, I don't know why the British people think, like, America is savage. They're the ones who are out, like, in the woods <laughs> with, like, guns hunting animals. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, so, Bingley was punctual to his appointment, of course. Showed up right on time. He and Mr. Bennett spent the morning together, as had been agreed on. The latter, meaning Mr. Bennett, was much more agreeable than his companion expected. That's interesting insight into Mr. Bingley, that Mr. Bingley has also... He's not a dummy either. He's been observing at least the Bennett parents to know that Mrs. Bennett is a lot and that Mr. Bennett is prickly like, to say the least. Prickly and aloof, yeah. Yeah. Mrs. Bennett is truly the face of the Bennett family, which is not <laughs> not the face you want forward. But Mr. Bennett is kind of just like okay with that. Like he lets you know, let's not forget Mrs. Bennett made the the arrangement yeah, for this right. little like outing of theirs. <laughs> but a little boy's day out. Yeah, that's good to point out. So Bingley was not expecting a whole lot from Mr. Bennett, and he exceeds that expectation. <laughs> there was nothing of presumption or folly in Bingley that could provoke Mr. Bennett's ridicule or disgust him into silence, <laughs> and he was more communicative and less eccentric than the other had ever seen him. Hmm. So this is, I don't know, this is a nice moment for, a little bit of redemption for Mr. Bennett. Yeah. Like, he actually is agreeable. And why is he agreeable about, around Bingley? Why is he able to not be eccentric <laughs> or, uh, well, but silent? Because he can't find anything to make fun of in Bingley, and Bingley is not so disgusting that Mr. Bennett can only stay silent. Mm-hmm. So, that's actually a huge, I'd say that's a huge check in Bingley's column there that he, that like even Mr. Bingley can't really find anything to ridicule him about. Mr. Bennett. Sorry, Mr. Bennett can't find, Uh can't find anything to really ridicule Mr. Bingley about. And then Mr. Bingley is in fact so charming that uh, Mr. Bennett is not even like disgusted by it. Well, this is high. This is basically in Mr. Bennett terminology equals I like Bingley, right? (laughs) There's nothing to ridicule about him and there's nothing about him that disgusts me. So I like him, I guess. (laughs) That, for Mr. Bennett, that equals you're, you get a pass in my book. (laughs) Uh, okay. And Bingley is, this is why he wasn't expecting much because Mr. Bennett is usually not communicative and also is centric. Meaning what do you think? Uh, just not, not really, like, behaving as he should in society. I don't think he, he, well, we already know. He doesn't play the rules, yeah. like, of the game. Right, right. Eccentric is not, it's not cute in this era. It's not like, oh, he's quirky. It's like, no, he's, he's an oddball in a bad way. Uh, like, yeah. he, like, what, the last time he's, I mean, last time we saw Mr. Bennett in public was, like, at the Netherfield Ball where he shouted at Mary to, like, stop playing the piano. Like, you, you don't you've, do that. You've delighted us long enough One of my favorite <laughs> lines of all time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, but yeah, Mr. Bennett really stepping up to the plate here. Sorry for the sports metaphor. <laughs> um, 
Bingley, of course, returned with Mr. Bennet to dinner. And in the evening, Mrs. Bennet's invention was again at work to get everybody away from him and her daughter. <laughs> I love this, her invention. Her, like, this is her creative spirit. Yeah. You know, this is where all of her, like, <laughs> her talents and energies go into. This is her, like, Frankenstein's monster uh-huh. is getting these two lovebirds in a room alone. She is, this is a portrait of the artist at work here. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, Mrs. Bennet's invention was again at work to get everybody away from Bingley and Jane. Elizabeth, who had a letter to write, went into the breakfast room for that purpose soon after tea. For as the others were all going to sit down to cards, she could not be wanted to counteract her mother's schemes. Hmm. So even though Mrs. Bennet is still trying to get Jane and Bingley alone, they all agree that they're going to go play cards, right? Yeah. The family's all going to play a game of cards, and Elizabeth's like, well, I guess this will be a moment for me to step away for a second and write this letter I've been meaning to write. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it's going to be, how are you? How is Mrs. Bennet going to get everyone out of the room when they're all playing a game of cards together, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't just, well, theoretically, you can't just stop a game of cards right in the middle of it and then, like leave the room with the table still out that's just that that would be ridiculous yeah well that's a little far even for mrs bennett <laughs> so elizabeth's like surely she's not gonna like break up this card party on a whim i have like 15 minutes to like be by myself surely i can trust them mrs bennett on her own for 15 minutes she's right? like i am 99 percent sure that mrs bennett would not go so far as to break up a party after dinner so just for the sake of getting Bingley and Jane alone in a room. I feel like we've mentioned this so many times, but it's just like a constant reminder that Jane and Elizabeth are the two parents in this family <laughs> to the point where they have to parent their own parents. Yeah. They're, they're like in charge of making sure that they don't make fools out of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. But on returning to the drawing room when Elizabeth had finished her letter, she saw to her infinite surprise that there was reason to fear that her mother had been too ingenious for her. <laughs> oh, no. She's <laughs> like, I left you alone for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I love this too ingenious. Like, Mrs. <laughs> Bennett is so ingenious that she somehow found a way to break up this card party. Yeah, that she <laughs> found a way to even to dupe Elizabeth. On opening the door, Elizabeth perceived her sister and Bingley standing together over the hearth as if engaged in earnest conversation. And had this led to no surprise, no no, oh, I'm sorry. And it, it, had this led to no suspicion, the faces of both, as they hastily turned round and moved away from each other, would have told it all. Mm. Okay, Elizabeth opens the door. She sees Bingley and Jane standing together over the hearth, yeah, as if engaged in earnest conversation. And had this this occurrence alone, had just seen them standing together talking, led to no other suspicion. The faces of both, as they hastily turned round and moved away from each other would have told Elizabeth the whole story, right? Uh If it wasn't enough that Elizabeth comes into the room, basically interrupts Jane and Bingley having a moment together, standing together by the hearth. Having like a quiet, intense sounding conversation. If that's not enough, then the reaction of the two of them upon seeing Elizabeth come in, which is, what do they do? They They, hastily turn around. They like, they see her, they turn around from each other like, we're not talking, right? (laughs) Yeah, that Uh, basically would have just sealed the deal. Yeah, move away from each other. Yeah, would have told it all. Uh, Just a couple of things about this sentence. So, there's a very clear scene to me when I think of hearths of what we've seen before. Do you remember the last time someone was standing over a hearth where we got the mention of a hearth? Ah, uh, you're gonna have to remind me. There might have been mentions of Hearth in between, but my mind goes to Darcy's proposal 
Ah, in, at, um... at Huntsford Par- Parsonage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Ooh. Uh, I think that's just like anytime hearths show up, like hot stuff is happening, kind of. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's where intense conversations oh, yeah. happen by things the are, hearth. Uh, things are crackling. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, here's this great word choice as if engaged in earnest conversation. So, as uh, if, en- oh, as if engaged, yeah, yeah. There, as if engaged. That word. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, in case you didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so they see Elizabeth, and then they just, like, both walk away from each other. Like, we weren't talking, right? (laughs) Yeah. Their situation was awkward enough, meaning Bingley and Jane's. But hers, she thought, was still worse. Not a syllable was uttered by either, and Elizabeth was on the point of going away again when Bingley, who as well as the other had sat down, suddenly rose, and whispering a few words to her sister, ran out of the room. Okay, so Elizabeth, um... (laughs) <laughs> it's dead silent no one's mm. speaking elizabeth comes in um she's um about to leave i guess well okay so she inter- she breaks up this conversation they're having right yeah. unintentionally they just like both walk away from each other when mm-hmm. she comes in and mm-hmm. elizabeth's like well it's awkward to be them but it's even more awkward to be me right now <laughs> right so i'm just gonna i'm gonna leave mm-hmm. but as she's about to leave bingley who had sat down to make it to pretend like nothing was happening. <laughs> pretend like they weren't having an intense conversation <laughs> over the hearth. Yeah. Uh-huh. Suddenly gets out of his chair and whispers something to Jane and bolts out of the room. <laughs> this is great physical comedy that yeah. he like sits down and then he stands up again like a minute <laughs> later. Not even. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I just love, it'd be great to see this like played out in person. Like Elizabeth comes in, they stop short their conversation, turn away and sit down, then they sit in silence for like 30 seconds, and then Bingley's like, well, bye. <laughs> but he whispers some stuff to Jane on yeah. his way out. He doesn't even say bye, it's just like, and he's gone. <laughs> okay. Okay. Jane could have no reserves from Elizabeth where confidence would give pleasure. Jane could keep no secrets from Elizabeth where confiding would give pleasure. Uh, confidence meaning, yeah, confiding. Not yeah. like as we think of confidence. And instantly embracing her, acknowledged with the... Oh my god, I'm tearing up! Oh my god, I'm actually tearing up. Acknowledged with the liveliest emotion that she was the happiest creature in the world. There we go. We've made a match. We did it, guys! Uh, <laughs> we finally got here. It's been like over a year, just about. <laughs> uh... "'Tis too much,' she added. "'By far too much. I do not deserve it. Oh, why is not everybody as happy?' Uh, of course Jane is... This is so in character for Jane that she, you know, she gets the thing that she's wanted the most in the world, and she's like, well, why me? Like, why do I deserve it? Why me? Uh, Like, why can't everyone feel this much happiness?' Elizabeth's congratulations were giving with a sincerity, a warmth, a delight, which words could but poorly express." Every sentence of kindness was a fresh source of happiness to Jane, but she would not allow herself to stay, or but she would not allow herself herself to stay with her sister, or say half that remained to be said for the present. Mm. Okay, I usually get annoyed in books when they say like words couldn't describe, you know, because <laughs> that's kind of just like bad writing. Like, well, that's what your job is to describe it. But yeah. I think it actually works here because it's like. It's not about what Elizabeth's saying in this moment. Like, what she says is probably pretty commonplace. Like, you know, I'm so happy for you. But Mm. it's, like, the way that she says it. It's the emotion that's conveyed. I also like that... I think it's also because Elizabeth is very good at speaking. She is very witty and smart and sharp. 
and this 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 like this true delight and this true happiness that she feels for her sister it's like she's like she doesn't have the words for it this mm -hmm. is the one time where she actually doesn't have the words to convey how she's feeling right that's a good point yeah she is the, elizabeth is a rare loss for words almost. <laughs> but they have such a connection that jane can just feel like the intensity of emotion in elizabeth's congratulations yeah Okay, yes, and of course this is delightful to Jane, but she can't, she's not going to allow herself to stay with Elizabeth or say all that, half that, even half that of everything that needed to be said for the present. Mm -hmm. And for this, because, this is because, uh, Jane says, I must go instantly to my mother, she cried. I would not on any account trifle with her affectionate solicitude or allow her to hear it from anyone but myself. Affectionate solicitude. That's a real Janeism. In my book, I put uh, little quotation marks around it. I feel like that's something... Only Jane would describe the way that Mrs. Bennet acts as affectionate solicitude. Mm. Uh, okay, yeah. So Jane's like, I'm going to tell Mrs. Bennet. I'm going to be... I don't want her to hear it from anyone else, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Bingley has already gone... Is gone to my father already to ask his permission. Right. Oh, Lizzie, to know that what I have to relate will give such pleasure to all my dear family. How shall I bear so much happiness? And this is also just another reason it's a great match. It's like, <laughs> you know, this is truly a match that makes the family happy. Mm. Only Mrs. Bennet was happy about Lydia and Wickham. Only Mrs. Bennet was happy about Elizabeth and Collins. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but this is a real game changer for the family. Mm -hmm. Like, Bennet, Mr. Bingley could potentially take care of all the daughters yeah yep okay elizabeth then i'm sorry jane then hastened away to her mother who had purposely broken up the card party Oof. and was sitting upstairs with kitty so, so we, yeah. yes in fact mrs bennett can sink lower <laughs> than, than the other day she can in fact break up a card party in the middle of a round uh. and then just go upstairs and hide with her youngest daughter. This is what she suggested the other <laughs> night. Is like, oh, let's, you and Kitty, let's just go up to my room. <laughs> right? Yeah. She's like, well, thank... She's probably very grateful that Elizabeth went to go write a letter. She's uh, like, well, that's one down. <laughs> yeah, one obstacle. I like to imagine this scene. It's just like in the middle of a, a hand. She's like, I just realized I have something to say to everyone <laughs> in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't even be everyone like mr bennett wouldn't be there it would just be mary uh, and, and kitty, kitty yeah <laughs> mary I and guess kitty that, easy i have to get something to of. tell you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. they're just sitting upstairs waiting <laughs> mrs bennett is like has it happened yet what do you think she's listening she's got her ear to the floor <laughs> uh okay elizabeth who was left by herself now smiled at the rapidity and ease with which an affair was finally settled that had given them so many previous months of suspense and vexation. Mm. That's a great reflection. Just like, I can't, it's crazy. It happened so fast after we were all obsessing over it for like almost a full year. Yeah. Like it's finally done. It's finally, it is finally settled. It's finally concluded. And it happened in a mere matter of minutes. Yeah. And this, said she, is the end of all his friend's anxious circumspection, of all his sister's falsehood and contrivance, the happiest wisest most reasonable end i feel like that's kind of like jane austen coming in a little bit uh -huh. this this um the happiest wisest most reasonable end yeah those are all qualities austen prizes above everything else <laughs> as she should as we yeah, all should but yeah. um 
Well, it's interesting. So the first place her mind goes to when she's alone is Darcy. Mm. The end of his friend's anxious circumspection. I mm. feel like that's, it's worded much softer than she would have worded it a couple months ago. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's his, not just circumspection that Darcy was feeling about the whole Bingley Jane situation. His, it's not malicious meddling, but now it's his his anxious circumspection, which is almost like giving him credit. It's like, oh, he was just concerned on his friend's behalf, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And then we go to Miss Bingley. All his sister's falsehood and contrivance. That is not so nice. <laughs> well, she doesn't owe her anything. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and this is the happiest, wisest, most reasonable end. It's like, it's a perfect match, you know? This yeah. is the only way it could have ended, or should end. Mm. In a few minutes, she was joined by Bingley, whose conference with her father had been short and to the purpose. <laughs> Can I marry your daughter? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Where is your sister? He said hastily as he opened the door. <laughs> he just not even no time for decorum either on his uh, part he's he's catching the bennett spirit <laughs> <laughs> uh with my mother upstairs said elizabeth she will be down in a moment i dare say he then shut the door and coming up to her claimed the good wishes and affection of a sister mm. elizabeth honestly and heartily expressed her delight in the prospect of their relationship they shook hands with great cordiality and then, till her sister came down, she had to listen to all he had to say of his own happiness and of Jane's perfections. And in spite of his being a lover, Elizabeth really believed all his expectations of a felicity of felicity to be rationally founded, because they had for basis the excellent understanding and super excellent disposition of Jane and a general similarity of feeling and taste between her and himself. This is also very closely parroting what, you know, it's safe to assume is Austin's, like, thoughts, you know, yeah. like her own personal beliefs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, which is that, and this is also kind of a, a journey for Elizabeth to see that despite the status of being a lover, which inherently mm -hmm. comes with, uh, you know, perceiving things kind of out of whack. Yeah. Even though they are lovers, like they're going to actually be happy because their relationship is founded on like mutual respect and understanding yeah kind of. yeah they had the ba they had for their basis the excellent understanding and super excellent disposition <laughs> of jane super excellent yeah. yeah so they jane has excellent understanding and super excellent disposition mm -hmm. and the two of them also just have a general similarity of feeling and taste yes so <laughs> it is funny that like bingley being a lover is sort of like a ding against him. That's like he's just too passionate, you know. Uh, and but well, you can't really trust everything lovers have to say, yeah. especially about their beloved. Well, that's the thing. I think also Jane Austen's trying to sort of get at the heart of is like, like what makes a good marriage to Jane Austen. It's like yes, you can obviously love and feel love and passion, but that shouldn't be the foundation of your marriage because look at Lydia and Wickham. That's mm. all they had was passion and hormones. <laughs> yeah, not even love, just like yeah, yeah passion. Exactly, <laughs> and that's, yeah. yeah, that is like not a good marriage, but Jane and Bingley, basically, this is almost like a, and they lived happily ever after from Jane Austen because it's like, because they have the foundation for a sustainable marriage, they will, their marriage will endure and they will be happy. Uh-huh. I think that it's interesting. It's also great, like, 
that's what separates an Austonian romance from like other romances, which is that so much of it is about reason also. Yeah. Like passion is almost sometimes an impediment to like finding like the true, your ideal match. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) more important is being able to think with a level head about what's, whether this is going to be a good marriage or not. And that's pretty radical for this time. Like for Jane Austen to write a novel about romance, but then like be like, I'm going to actually, I'm going to, I'm going to shit on, I'm going to make fun of all of the contrivances that we think about when we think about romance and give you, like, a truly good match. Right. And it doesn't, and it doesn't start with love. It doesn't even start with love or passion. It starts with, like, intelligence. Yeah. Well, if you were to ask Austin, what's a better match? Like, the emotional one or the intellectual one? She would say the intellectual one. Mm. I don't think, I think that's, I honestly think that's actually more in line with the thinking of her time than our own current thinking. Oh, you think so? Because reason versus passion was a very big idea. Yeah, yeah. And, like, passion is, like, bad. And reason's supposed to win out, kind of, because (laughs) reason is thought through, you Uh know? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. All right. Well, okay, and it's also just, like, you know, this is more than, there's more, the marriages are more at stake than just, like, the momentary, like, passing moment. It, like, subverts the idea of they lived happily ever after, because... Austin is truly trying to lay the groundwork for a happily ever after. Mm-hmm. It's not just enough to say, oh, they found love for, like, these fleeting moments, and well, hopefully it'll be all right going in the future. Yeah, no, she, you have to invest in the foundation. Mm-hmm. You have to lay the groundwork first, and from then will you get a good marriage. Okay, all right, let's keep going. All right, let's uh-huh. keep going. Okay. It was an evening of no common delight to them all. So it was an evening... The, the, the delight was so uncommonly um, great that it just exceeded any other delight that the family had ever felt. Yeah, all the Bennets were uncommonly delighted. <laughs> yeah. The satisfaction of Miss Be- Miss Jane Bennet's mind gave a glow of such sweet animation to her face as made her look handsomer than ever. Mm. Wow, as if Jane couldn't get even more handsome. Uh-huh. Now that she's engaged, her handsomeness is just through the roof. Kitty simpered and smiled and hoped her turn was coming soon. (laughs) Mrs. Bennet could not give her consent or speak her approbation in terms warm enough to satisfy her feelings, though she talked to Bingley of nothing else for half an hour. So not even half an hour of just only talking about the the engagement was enough for Mrs. Bennet to, to convey how she was feeling. Well, this is like, it's almost the reverse of what we just saw with Elizabeth. Like, you know... Her words couldn't express how she felt, but Jane could understand, like, the emotion behind it. And Mrs. Bennet, it's like, it's the same thing, but... She's talking nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, she's trying, she, yeah, she's, she's... She goes about it in the wrong way. Instead of just trying to be concise and, like, (laughs) or genuine, right? She Mm -hmm. overdoes it, of course. Yeah. And when Mr. Bennet joined them at supper, supper again... Here we are at supper... His voice and manner plainly showed how really happy he was. Uh, I want. I believe that. He, yes, I think so. Yeah, he doesn't not. <laughs> Jane's one of the better daughters of his. I think he feels. Well, I think he thinks this is going to be a good match. That's also true. Yeah. yeah. Well, what does he say? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, of course he's still Mr. Bennett, so yeah. we we can never forget it. It says, uh, "Not a word, however, passed his lips <laughs> in allusion to it, till their visitor took his leave for the night. But as soon as he was gone." He turned to his daughter and said, you want to be? Sure. 
I, I, I just want to mention supper coming up again. It's like, you know, a serious man stays for supper. Men <laughs> with serious <laughs> intentions stay for supper, right? Okay, yeah, so once Mr. Bingley's gone, he says, Jane, I congratulate you. You will be a very happy woman. That is as much as... That is as much genuine feeling as you can get out of Mr. Bennett. Mm. Jane went to him instantly, kissed him, and thanked him for his goodness. You are a good girl, he replied, and I have great pleasure in thinking you will be so happily settled. I have not a doubt of your doing very well together. Your tempers are by no means unlike. There's a nice double negative, <laughs> meaning your tempers are alike. Yeah. You are, each of you, so complying that nothing will ever be resolved on. <laughs> so easy that every servant will cheat you. And so generous that you will always exceed your income. So, you know, of course, once Mr. Bennett says something genuine, he has to then follow up with five more things uh, that are just, you know, witty and dry. With three jokes. And this is, <laughs> and this is all, they're all meant as compliments, even though they, he, <laughs> he equates them to bad things happening. Yeah. But he's like, you're both so complying, meaning you're like so easy and like not stubborn, right? Mm -hmm. That you're never going to be able to resolve on anything. <laughs> uh, you're so like easygoing also that every tr servant's going to cheat you. It's going to steal from, from you. you. Yeah. And you won't punish them. And you're so generous that you're going to, of course, exceed your income. That you're going to spend more than you make because you're just so generous. Uh, That's uh, funny. It's like, yeah, it's like generosity is great, but then he'll take it and make it bad somehow. Yeah. All he'll be these, so generous that you're going to go into debt. <laughs> all of these good qualities have bad negative consequences <laughs> that Mr. Bennett just can't help but bringing up. But but I think the, the overall sentiment is... Despite how much servants will cheat you and how much you'll overcome, you know, spend more than your income, you'll be happy together, right? Mm. <laughs> well, what does Jane say to respond? She says, I hope not so. Imprudence or thoughtlessness in money matters would be unpardonable in me. Emphasis on me. Why do you think it would be especially unpardonable in Jane? Well... You know, she's not bringing a whole lot of money to the table. It's all, the, this, this marriage is, is mostly going to be um, cash from Mr. Bingley's mm -hmm. side. So I think in Jane's eyes, if she can't bring money to the table, she can at least bring um, like wise spending habits to the table. Uh -huh. Yeah, Jane is not the type of person to like spend her all her husband's money like frivolously. Exactly, uh -huh. yeah. So that's why she says it would be unpardonable because... That's the one thing that I would be bringing to the table is the ability to, like, budget. <laughs> <laughs> Especially coming from the Bennets. Yeah. And he, But here comes Mrs. Bennet. Exceed their income? My dear Mr. Bennet, cried his wife. What are you talking of? Why, he has four or five thousand a year, and very likely more. Okay. Did we not just kind of establish all the way in volume one that Mr. Bingley makes five thousand a year? And now she's saying... Between four and five, maybe more. Probably more. <laughs> so yeah. she just has no idea how much money Bingley <laughs> Very actually makes. Very likely more. Yeah. I love, yeah, well, if he, if she wants him to make more, then he'll make more. <laughs> All right, then she, then addressing her daughter, then she turns to Jane. Oh, my dear, dear Jane, I am so happy. I am sure I shan't get a wink of sleep all night. I knew how it would be. I always said it must be so, at last. I was sure you could not be so beautiful for nothing. That's great. <laughs> the reason you're beautiful is so that you can land a rich husband. <laughs> I remember, as soon as I ever saw him, when he first came into Hertfordshire last year, I thought how likely it was that you should come together. 
Oh, he is the handsomest young man that ever was seen. Did she not just say that about Wickham? Like, not that long ago, <laughs> that Wickham was the handsomest man that she'd ever seen? Also, she didn't know we Like, okay, it's so hard to get into Mrs. Bennet's, like, psychology of what she does and doesn't know. But she definitely, at different times, like, cursed Bingley as, like, never coming back. Yeah. She did always keep, like, a, a remnant of faith, though, you know? I believe that when she did first see him uh, arrive in his blue coat in Hertfordshire, that she she knew that they were going to get married because um, what she knows is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was planning on, like, of course, that's the only reason she brought, all the way in the first chapter, brought up the fact that someone's moving to Netherfield. Yeah. Because she's like, oh, potential husband. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. Maybe when she saw him, he'd be, she was like, oh, she'd be, he'd be good for Jane. Well, Jane is the oldest yeah. and prettiest. So, I don't know. It's just, I don't even think about it that much because it's like not even, this isn't even something that is all that unusual. I hear people in real life say like, oh, I knew it from the start that this was going to happen. And like, I believe them when they say that like when if like all the way to the beginning, they probably had their suspicions. And now that it's confirmed, they're like, I knew it from the start. <laughs> Okay, well, let's just take Mrs. Bennett at her word here, I guess. She's feeling very happy. I think she's earned this. <laughs> <laughs> then I love this next passage. Wickham, Lydia were all forgotten. Jane was Lydia who? <laughs> yeah. Okay, and this is a great line. Jane was beyond competition, her favorite child. So yes, Mrs. Bennett plays favorites, and whoever has the richest husband wins. <laughs> at that moment, she cared for no other. Her younger sisters soon began to make interest with Jane, for objects of happiness, which she might in future be able to dispense. Great. Meaning, what does this mean? <laughs> they were making interest with Jane. They were sort of like making moves to get Jane to um, give them stuff that they didn't have before. Yeah, they're like laying the groundwork for asking for stuff. Oh, now yeah. That Jane's going to be rich. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mary petitioned for the use of the library at Netherfield, of course. Of course. And Kitty begged very hard for a few balls there every winter. That's all they ask for. That's not too much. Use the library, a few balls. <laughs> of course, with use of the library, then Mary's going to be around. That's the big yeah, downside. Yeah, that's the on downside. That. You're going to have to listen to Mary. <laughs> listen to her moral attractions. <laughs> Bingley, from this time, was of course a daily visitor at Longbourn, coming frequently before breakfast and always remaining till after supper. From breakfast to supper, My what God. a man! So he's just there all day. Uh, Unless when some barbarous neighbor, who could not be enough detested, had given him an invitation to dinner, which he thought himself obliged to accept. Okay, whose voice are we dipping into here <laughs> when we talk about the barbarous neighbor who's inviting Bingley to dinner? Who could not be enough detested? Uh, that is the one and only Mrs. Bennet. Yeah, that's the, that's the those are her words. <laughs> you want to keep reading It's first? also just yeah. funny, like, I mean, it's a done deal now, like, Bingley is gonna marry Jane... So it is funny that how kind of like greedy Mrs. Bennet is that like he, she can't even give him up for one night. Uh, no, you need to be around every night. <laughs> Elizabeth had now but little time for conversation with her sister. For a while he was present, Jane had no attention to bestow on anyone else. But she found herself considerably useful to both of them in those hours of separation that must sometimes occur. In the absence of Jane... He always attached himself to Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Who else are you gonna want to attach yourself to in that family? For the pleasure of talking to her. For the pleasure of talking to her. And when Bingley was gone, Jane constantly sought the same means of relief. Not of like I like that the same means of relief. Not of like 
conversation or pleasure it's like a relief talking to elizabeth would be a relief from talking to anyone else in the family uh well it's almost just like like they love talking to each other jane and bingley obviously but they need some like one else to like gush uh, to about i know the other, yeah right? uh, and elizabeth is just in the crossfire <laughs> and they're not gonna want to talk to anyone else in the family uh-huh i feel like elizabeth is almost becoming like she is like the maid of honor already oh, in this yeah. role. You know, Absolutely. she is like the the help the helper to this couple. <laughs> okay, um, he has made me so happy," said Jane one evening by telling me that he was totally ignorant of my being in town last spring. I had not believed it possible. Okay, all right, remind us of this whole fiasco. Oh my god, yeah. So once Bingley left Netherfield, Mrs. Bennet and one of her harebrained schemes sends Jane to London to hang out, to stay with the gardeners in the hopes that she will run into Bingley. Um, and of course we know that, um, we know from Jane that the sisters had come to visit Jane, but uh, very briefly and like left immediately and she never saw Bingley. Uh. We also know from Darcy's letter that Darcy had, um, what did it, he had the, he used arts to make sure that Bingley was unaware <laughs> of Jane being in London and did everything in his power to prevent Bingley from finding out that Jane was in London. Yes. So now we find out that Bingley seems to have told Jane that he had no idea that Jane was in London the entire time, that she was basically hoping to catch a glimpse of him, and just that like everyone around Bingley knew Jane was there except for Bingley. Yeah, he was purposely kept in the dark. So it's not his fault. He didn't purposely... I I mean, yeah, purposefully slight Jane. Yeah. I suspected as much, replied Elizabeth. Well, she knows for certain. <laughs> but how did he account for it? It must have been his sister's doing. There were certainly no friends to his acquaintance with me, which I cannot wonder at, since he might have chosen so much more advantageously in many respects. When she says there were no friends to his acquaintance with me, what she's what it means is that like no one was supporting our relationship. Yeah. No one on Bingley's side at least, yeah. right? No friend they were not friends to the Jane Bingley dynamic. Uh they were not helping to make it happen. In fact they were working against it, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh and because which Jane says she understands, and I guess she does, is that Bingley could marry more. She he could marry someone richer if he wanted to. Mm hmm But when they see as I trust they will, that their brother is happy with me. They will learn to be contented, and we shall be on good terms again, though we can never be what we once were to each other. Wow. Okay, well, yeah, let's, let's go into this a little bit. I think this is, like, the first time we ever hear Jane just, like, stating that someone did wrong without trying to explain away. Mm -hmm. Explain it away, right? Yeah. Well, she does kind of explain it away a little. She was like... He might have chosen more advantageously. Uh, so I get it. I get why they work so hard against our, mar our marriage, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but once they see how happy he is with me, they will learn to be contented. I That's, like that. Yeah. Not they will be contented. Not like, oh, they will be so happy for her brothers. Like, they will learn to be contented. Uh -huh. It's not like, oh, I hope that I can convince them to come around. Mm -hmm. She's showing, like, some assertiveness here. Yeah. It's like, they're going to get used to it. They're going to deal with it. Uh -huh. <laughs> And we will be on good terms again, although, like, now that I know that they work so hard against me, we can never be what we once were. And I Ouch. think that's the harshest thing we've heard Jane say in this whole book. And that's the harshest thing she ever will say. <laughs> and it's not even, like, she's like, oh, I'm willing to, you know, start up a relationship with the Bingley sisters again. It's mm. just that I, now I know that they're, <laughs> that they're not the nicest people in the yeah, world. Yeah, it's uh, like, we'll be cordial, we'll be civil, we'll be on good terms, but we'll never be friends, basically. 
Elizabeth, she, she picks up on this. She says, that is the most unforgiving speech, said Elizabeth, that I ever heard you utter. Mm -hmm. Good girl. <laughs> <laughs> it would vex me indeed to see you again, the dupe of Miss Bingley's pretended regard. Mm. I think this is also more of Austin showing us, like, the future of their marriage, which is that Jane's not going to fall. She's not going to let Miss Bingley be the dominant, like, woman around yeah. anymore, right? Well, you know, she's not going to be... Miss Bingley's not going to be mistress of Netherfield Park. Uh -huh. It's going to be Jane. Yeah, so this is Jane will not be Miss Bingley's dupe anymore. <laughs> I think that's... This is, like, showing us that they're going to have a happy marriage in the future. I also think... It's interesting that, yes, the harshest thing that Jane has ever said is good, directed at her future family, is directed at her future sister-in-law. Like, maybe that's a little bit of Jane's punishment, is that the one person in the world that she knows she will never really be, really get along with, will never really be friends with, is her own sister-in-law. Uh -huh. Like, maybe that's a little... That's a little, like, that's a little sacrifice that Jane has to make t for, for this marriage. That's a great point. And that connects back to, like, the Darcy, Darcy's problem with the Bennets also. Yeah. I think Austin is, like, this is, you know, Austin, like, bucking the, the uh, modes of living at the day, which is that, like, she's saying that sometimes the best matches do come with baggage, right, in the family. <laughs> like, you, that's to be expected. That's, you're, there's gonna be detestable connections, but that doesn't mean it can't be a great match still. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Would you believe it, Lizzie, that when he went to town last November, he really loved me, and nothing but a persuasion of my being indifferent would have prevented his coming down again. Mm. So we know that too, because uh -huh. he should, uh, Jane is saying, and can you believe it that like after the Netherfield ball, <laughs> when he said he was going to go into town and come back, he had already loved me already. He had already loved me then. And nothing but a persuasion of my being indifferent, of Jane being indifferent, would have prevented his coming down. Mm. And who, who, who was the one who was persuading Bingley <laughs> that Jane was indifferent? Of course, Darcy. Yeah. Jane doesn't know that. We're going to get to that. Elizabeth has thoughts about this. Mm. But Elizabeth responds, he made a little mistake, to be sure, but it is to the credit of his modesty. Of <laughs> Bingley's modesty. What's to the credit of his modesty? That he wouldn't just assume Jane loved him. Right. Loved him I, back. Anyway. And I think that is a fair compliment. You don't want to, like, it wouldn't look good if Bingley was just like, if he went around thinking everyone was in love with him, right? Yeah, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't look very good for Bingley to, like, dance with Jane all night and then go away and then go away thinking like, oh, it's a guarantee that I'm going to marry Jane. Uh, that would look kind of snobbish on his part. Yeah. So he is like, despite being handsome and rich, he is still modest. And that's something we can all learn. From. <laughs> um, this naturally produced a panegyric from Jane on his diffidence and the little value he put, the little value he put on his own good qualities. Okay. <laughs> Let's do this a little bit. What is a panegyric? What does that mean? Like a, like a praise, like a lot of praise. Uh huh. Heaping praise on him. Mm -hmm. and what is and what is diffidence? Like his modesty. Yeah. Right. Okay. So she. This leads like Jane to like go on a long like rant about how modest and I don't know, just like good natured he is. Yeah, right. Yeah. The little value he put on his own good qualities. So like, not only does he have good qualities but he is also modest about them he's not full of himself yeah uh -huh. right <laughs> which is that's that's actually kind of you know bingley i feel like is the exception to the rule to be like this handsome rich young man who is like still modest and is not full of himself yeah, right he's one of the good ones 
And that's also why he's perfect for Jane, who is exactly in the same way. Yeah. Elizabeth, Elizabeth was pleased to find that Bingley had not betrayed the interference of his friend. Mm. For though Jane had the most generous and forgiving heart in the world, she knew it was a circumstance which must prejudice her against him. Nowhere is the name Darcy mentioned in this uh-uh. paragraph. It's all him and his friend. But also, it's a... Uh... A, Elizabeth is happy to hear that Bingley is a good friend and he kept the Darcy interference a secret. Mm -hmm. But she's also happy that it was kept a secret because if Jane knew about it, then Jane would be, despite how forgiving Jane is, there would still be a hint of prejudice that Jane would feel towards unspoken Darcy. And why... Why would Elizabeth care? Why on earth would Elizabeth care that Jane, how Jane feels about Darcy? Uh-huh. She doesn't care that Jane hates Miss Bingley. <laughs> well, it's because Jane, Elizabeth wants Jane to accept Darcy as part of the family. Exactly. Right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is, this is a nice touch. It's like Elizabeth is glad to hear that Jane, like, has no, no idea that Darcy had acted like <laughs> not the best guy. Yeah. I am certainly the most fortunate creature that ever existed, cried Jane. Oh, Lizzie, why am I thus singled from my family and blessed above them all? If I could but see you as happy, if there were but such another man for you. Not too subtle foreshadowing Mm. there. But of course, this is just so in character for Jane. It's like, why? Why am I the one who has all the luck, right? Yeah, Uh. and blessed above them all, including Lydia. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth replies, if you were to give me 40 such men, I could, I never could be so happy as you. Till I have your disposition, your goodness, I never can have your happiness. No, no, let me shift for myself. And perhaps if I have very good luck, I may meet with another Mr. Collins in time. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. So Elizabeth's like, even if I met 40 Bingleys, I could never be as happy as you because... Your just your disposition and goodness is just so much better than mine that I could never feel the happiness that you're feeling mm-hmm. is what she's saying. And who knows? Maybe I'll meet another Mr. Collins. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry about me. There, there's pl- I might meet a Mr. Another Mr. Collins in time. Uh, the situation of affairs in the Longbourn family could not be long a secret. Mm, I bet. Mrs. Bennet was privileged to whisper it to Mrs. Phillips, and she ventured without any permission. To do the same by all her neighbors in Meriton. So, so yeah. it's not, you know, particularly in good taste to just blurt out a, a an engagement as the night it happens. But I'm sure Mrs. Bennett was just gonna, she's just gonna let one person in Meriton Just let know. my dear sister know. I'm yeah. sure she knew that Mrs. Phillips was gonna spread it around too Absolutely. and was not upset about it. <laughs> you want to read this last paragraph? The Bennets were speedily pronounced to be the luckiest family in the world, Mm -hmm. though only a few weeks before, when Lydia had first run away, they had been generally proved to be marked out for misfortune. (laughs) (laughs) So who was pronouncing the Bennets the luckiest family in the world? The townsfolk? The the Meriton folks? Yeah, Yeah. Meriton. The rabble? Uh What a a change in status for the Bennets to go from... Marked for misfortune to the luckiest family in the world. Yeah, like, remember how quickly this all, like, not even a few, not even very long ago, we just found out that Lydia and Wickham got a shotgun marriage, and now we got the opposite of a shotgun marriage, a great marriage, Uh and 
It's funny that they're pronounced to be the luckiest family in the world. Not the most fortunate. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. The luckiest uh-huh. family. Boy, not only did they evade a real fuck up with Lydia, but now she, like one of their other daughters is married to the wealthiest man who ever stepped foot in in Derbyshire or sorry, Hertfordshire. I think it's pretty safe, safe to say that the people of Meryton do not have high opinions of the Bennets. And that's a great Great uh, observation, the luckiest. Yeah, they did nothing to earn this. <laughs> it just fell into their lap. Right? Yeah, uh-huh. no, no one's happy about it. No one's happy about this happening. Everyone was happy to think that perhaps Lydia was destined to become a prostitute in uh, London. Yeah, that brought them joy. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah, the fact uh-huh. that this very nice girl married a very nice man. Well, the, I don't know. Other people getting good things doesn't necessarily really bring you joy. No. <laughs> Especially if you don't know them Absolutely that well. Absolutely not. Uh, um, well, that's the end of that chapter. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, it shows that not only is this Jane getting what she finally wants, it's like this marriage is a redemption for the whole family. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. they're not, <laughs> their daughters aren't just all harlots, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not just going to be like, oh, they're going to like escape by the skin of their teeth. It's mm-hmm. going to be like, no, this is going to be, this is, this was done Perfectly above ground. It or, almost, sorry, above board. Yeah, it almost erases the blight of Lydia's <laughs> marriage a little bit. Oh, certainly, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, Mrs. Bennett doesn't even remember Lydia's name anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, now that's two marriages. Two, two marriages, marriages. Two matches made. Under Mrs. Bennett's belt. And this is this is big. Big, big news. Yes. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Yes. Since since day one, since since we first heard that Netherfield was let at last, we knew this was gonna happen. Some bumps along the way. Now it's here. Uh huh. It wasn't easy. <laughs> it certainly was not easy. Uh huh. And I think I think I said this in the last episode too. But the first time, the first couple times I read Pride and Prejudice, I was sort of like, oh well, you know, like the Jane, the Jane Bingley is kind of like. It, it was just like a mode, a means for Elizabeth and Darcy to get together. But now, mm-hmm. like, upon reading it again, it's like, no, like, Jane and Bingley, they are fully developed, like, human beings. Like, they do change throughout the course of the book. They couldn't just get married in chapter one. Well, I mean, I, I guess they could have, but, like, they're, they come out better people in the end. Um, like, for example, like, p- perhaps Bingley will learn to learn to speak up for himself and make mm-hmm. his own opinions yeah. and jane is not gonna like just think everyone is everyone is like a holy good like she's uh-huh. gonna she's gonna you know she's gonna um be a lot more careful a lot more smart around caroline and so these are things that they think they both needed in order to make this marriage like that much better a marriage that's a great point yeah that very gently phrased paragraph from jane is like evidence of her growth like i yeah. recognize that there is bad in the world <laughs> and it's interesting that it comes along with her like achieving the thing that she most wanted that's true uh, it's almost like she couldn't let herself think it's almost like she's like oh what's the word like giving herself like a moral license to be like well, I got this great marriage, so now I guess I can sort of say that, like, yeah, I guess I was kind of treated badly by Caroline this whole time. Uh-huh. I think she just, maybe it was just wishful thinking before. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, I'm so sad, like, I, it would make me even sadder to think that people had done this to me on purpose, that, like, someone who professed to be my friend, right? But now that I've achieved this marriage, I can realize, like, oh, yeah, she wasn't really my friend, <laughs> you know, she wasn't a good person to me. Yeah, now that I've secured my standing, I can be a little more honest with myself and vocalize my my more honest opinions i think is what she's feeling Uh uh-huh yeah no that's a great point yeah i think that uh it really 
Like, it wouldn't, the book wouldn't work the same with no Jane Bingley. Yeah. And it's also, you know, Sense and Sensibility is a very fun book and definitely worth reading. But I think you see Austin has become a better matchmaker between writing that book and writing Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> like, these are, like, even the Wickham-Lydia marriage, which seemingly comes out of nowhere, is actually kind of a perfect match, right? Yeah. And even, like, Charlotte and Collins, like, these mm. matches that seem less than ideal still make a lot of sense. Yeah, and it's never, like, <sighs> maybe with the exception of Lydia and Wickham, like, I'm thinking more about, now that you mentioned it, the Charlotte Collins marriage, they do get exactly what they want out of it. I used to, like, I don't know. I used to think this, and I think media even portrays this pretty, um, like, unfairly, that Charlotte is doomed for a life of unhappiness being strapped to Collins, but she's just, she got exactly what she wanted. She got more than what she wanted out of life. Like, she, you know, like, she wasn't kidding herself when she, you know, she's not a very pretty lady, and that counts for a lot when you've got nothing else to offer in this world. She doesn't care about romance. She doesn't care about uh -huh. romance, and she gets what she wants and that is something that elizabeth actually has to learn that you know not everyone wants what elizabeth wants and i feel like i don't know i feel like maybe a lot of adaptations kind of mess that part up it's a very like subtle thing that's hard to convey especially through a purely visual medium it's a hard pill to swallow too that like oh like a life of of contentness is still good they might yeah you know, it's not perfect. She still has to put up with Collins, but she gets the house. But she gets and the house, and we saw, like, when she was living there, she has, like, her own space where he's not allowed to be in, like a dog, uh, like a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> and she, like, finds ways to make life happy for herself. She's, I think she's infinitely happier at Huntsford than she was at home. And I think she yeah, will, I think she uh, will maintain to be that way. I think she would choose to be at Huntsford than living with her parents her entire life. And of course, like, Lydia and Wickham are both disasters of people, and they're going to be disasters around each other, and there will be disasters in that marriage. But for the time being, they both do kind of get what they want from it also, right? Yeah. Like, Lydia gets to be the first married daughter. She gets this handsome, charming man, even though he's like, has no soul, and <laughs> Wickham gets a bunch of cash. He gets immediately, like, gets out of his immediate debts. Yeah. 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 It's just that long-term, they will have to be with each other's company for the rest of their lives. But even if it's a bad marriage, it's like, these are people that, like, it makes sense together when you look at them. You're like, oh, marriages like that exist in real life. Like, these attributes draw, like, each other, kind of. Mm -hmm. Even in the Bennett marriage, like, which is not a happy marriage, like, it, it kind of makes sense. Like, yeah. they, they fill in the gaps that each other are missing. Right, and there's, like, enough backstory that Jane Austen will let you in on to explain how the Bennett's the old the older parents the Bennets went from young horny folks to the kind of um, crap marriage that they're in now. Uh huh. And ultimately, all these like less than marriages are setting the stakes for what Jane and Bingley achieve. Yeah. Which is like truly a marriage that pretends happiness. Yes, portends, right? That's that's what you meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I would try to say. <laughs> I saw it in my head as I was saying it. <laughs> all right, so that's. We did it, guys. We got to the Jane and Bingley marriage, so that's it. That's the end of the book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what more were you, what, what yeah. were you expecting? And Elizabeth was very happy to be the maid of honor, <laughs> <laughs> and she lived with Jane and Bingley the rest of her life. Um, no, there's a few more a few more chapters to go, um, which we're very excited for. We're coming coming to the, use your to use your stupid sports metaphor. Coming to the home stretch mm -hmm. here. 
Um, but if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, um, anything else you want to just tell us about what you like and don't like about the book, about the characters, you can email us at secondimpressionspod at gmail.com. Yes, email us now because we don't have that many more episodes left. That's true. Yes, let us know your thoughts, please. Uh-huh. All right. Oh, well, and thank you for listening, everyone. Yes. We, we really appreciate it. This is this is a fun project for us, and it's it's nice to know that we're not just speaking into the void. <laughs> it is kind of, I do get a feel, a bittersweet feeling that it is, it is coming to a conclusion soon. Uh huh. Not not soon, soon, but pretty soon. Pretty soon. I think we have like six chapters left. Six more. Wow. Six more weeks of winter. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is big. You know, Jane and Bingley. Yep. Congratulations, everyone. Congratulations. We, did it. <laughs> we all did it. <laughs> all right. Congratulations to Mrs. Bennett. Uh, oh, Mrs. Bennett. This is, it's true. She, she is more related than anyone. Yeah, I think. she deserves a glass of punch. <laughs> all right. Until next time, I'm Tom. I'm Grace. Bye.